0: Hi, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. Two quick announcements before we get started. They both kind of go together, but I want to tell you that last year one of the things that we were processing as a church is where do we fall when it comes to missions, right? So, Missions in our own community, but then missions also outside of our community. Where are we at? What do we want to be able to do? So going into 2023, we decided we need to have more of a focus or more of an emphasis on doing missions and so there's going to be two uh, mission trips they happen the same week Uh, one's going to be for middle school and there's going to be an information meeting on February the 1st so if you have a middle school kid you want them to be involved uh, in the mission trip February the 1st get together and again if you're out there and you're like I don't want to show up to the meeting because I don't know if we want to go and if I'm there they might think I have to go that's not the way it works show up listen see what's going on and then if you want to be a part of it you can sign up from there. Okay. So that's February the 1st. February the 5th is going to be the information meeting for high school. Um, and so if you want to be involved with the high schoolers and go uh, on a mission trip or you have a high schooler and they want to go. And on that, you can talk to Keely and Ran or whoever it's going to be out there at the booth. For the high school trip, adults can go. Like, I don't know how many adults and that's right. Yeah. Okay. Adults can go uh, and be a part of that. So You can get that information out there if you have a middle school or high school or if you're an adult who wants to go on the high school mission trip. Now, the other part of it is, so for you guys that aren't going, right, how are you a part of, how do you support, how do we make sure that it's not just like, oh, there's a mission team going and they come back and like, oh, the mission team came back. Like, how is it bigger than just a people going on a trip, but how can we be involved um, as a church? The people that aren't going and how can we support them? So at the booth when you leave, so right as you walk out there, somebody will be manning that booth to the right and there's information on how you can support or be a part of the trip and being able to go if you can't go, how you can support it. Good? So stop on the way out. All right. Series Original Design, we got a lot to get to. Um, Again, last service, if you didn't notice, in the parking lot, it went a little long. Uh, So we have a lot to get to, a lot to cover. Um, So I want to give you this brief synopsis, why are we doing it, right, because that's really important. So we know that there are marriage problems, we know that there are relationship problems, we know that there's problems in in children today, we know that we have this issue of Boys, staying boys, even when they're 30 years old, they never become men. We know that they're young ladies that never become women. We know that we have gender identity problems. Like, we have all kinds of issues out there, right? Like, things that need to be addressed. So how do you address all of those issues? So we said, the way that we're going to address it is we're going to go back to what makes sense to me. Right? So what makes sense to me has always been the same thing. If something's designed a certain way, if you use it inside of its design, so this is motorcycle, car, whatever those things are, if you use it inside of its design, it tends to do really well, right? As soon as you start modifying some things, like it's really good, but it's also breaks. right? It's a lot of fun, might be faster, might have more power, might do all those things, but at the end of the day, because it's outside of its design, it's more prone to break. Well, it's the same concept, For us, right? So for us as people created in the image of God, you were designed a certain way. If you operate inside of the design as a man and or as a woman, then inside of the design, things will flourish. Outside of the design, things break. Part of the problem we have in our world today isn't the idea that people who don't know Jesus are operating outside of the design because they don't even know it. Is that fair to say? Like nobody outside of church understands scripturally how God designed a man and how God designed a woman. You know what the problem is? That inside of the church, we've accepted or been okay with as Christian men and as Christian women operating outside of the design. We've tended to say, church or Christians should err more on the side of what culture says it is to be a man or what culture says it means to be a woman because the design is so far off, we're never going to get there, right? So we can't get back to that. So let's find a middle ground. So original design was created to say, let's go back to the beginning. Let's look at the creation of man, creation of woman, like how did God create him and how did he design him? And if we operate inside of those design men and women will flourish, right? So we said we're going to do three weeks on men, right? So design, hurdles, redemption, three weeks on women, right? Same concept, design, hurdles, redemption. Then we're going to talk about this idea that I think Scripture is very clear. When both of us operate outside of our, or inside of our design, and this doesn't mean just with marriage, but when men and women understand their design Together for the gospel, we can do more than we can apart. Does that make sense? Like, if men and women operating inside of their design, men and women, because they offset each other in some of these design aspects, that we then could cultivate or do things that we can't do separately, right? So we need to be able to do this. So that's gonna be the last week. So last week, we talked about, so what's the design of a man, right? We said, what's unique from a man that is not the same for a woman? Like, what is that design difference? And so we use this word, I don't know if it's a word that's been used lately or not, you know, inside of culture or inside of the church, but we said, God designed men for headship, right? What is headship and what does it mean? Because you hear a lot of times in the Christian church where men's called to be the leader of their home. But women are good leaders too, right? Right, like women have great leadership capability but what is it about a man and his leadership that's different that you can't do, women, that God only designed a man to do, right? So we know God designed a man, and we saw this in Scripture, right, to be the head. So he created, he's of all creation, and he said, and I put man here, and man's responsibility inside of the garden is to work it and keep it, right? That was his job. That was his responsibility, uniquely to every other person, right? Uniquely to, you know, just to a man, your job is to work it and to keep it. So the idea, what does it mean to be the head? Men creating atmospheres. So think of it in the Garden of Eden. This is what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to create atmospheres for flourishing, right? So he was supposed to cultivate Eden in a way that the trees could produce fruit. We tracking? Right, so cultivate... Make it so, get the ground ready, get the water in the right place. If you do all of those things, trees will produce fruit. Like, that's cultivation. And God created Eden and set it up in a certain way and said things are going to happen in a certain way. And not only was his job to cultivate it, his job was to protect it and make sure nobody destroyed it. Here's Eden. Here's the design. Here's what God said. Now, men, your job is don't let anybody in to destroy it. So not only should you cultivate it as a man, right, but you should keep it, like keep that order in place. And we talk very specifically as a head, how does it work out inside of our homes, right? So we said, we went to Ephesians, and we said, what does it look like, men that are married, to be the head of your home? Sacrificial love, that's the first thing that it says. You're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's, a pretty, that's pretty big, Right? Like loving your wife as Christ loved the church, meaning that he died for her, that kind of sacrificial love, I mean, that, that's pretty big, right? We also said headship comes out. It's a man's responsibility to set spiritual direction in his home. It's a man's responsibility to say, this is the spiritual direction. This is what God's called us to do, and I'm going to keep it. You know, the other thing that a man's responsibility is, is to protect his home, to protect his wife. And in a bigger, in a bigger picture, of men, it's your job to protect women a lot of women like we don't need any protecting isn't that kind of the new thing like you don't want to hear that anymore you don't need protected because you're independent and you got it all well you might have it all but it wasn't designed that way and you keep operating out of independence like you got it all and believe me something's going to break That's just the way that it works you can have that feeling of independence and i got it because i've had to have it which i get remember we said in the beginning where when the ideal isn't present grace abounds like, I get that. The ideal isn't always going to be present. Not everywhere are men and, and situations and families going to be able to carry out the things that, that God called us to do. But that's where grace abounds, right? That's where God steps in and fills gaps that he, only he can do. Okay? Now, when you look at that, here's the question that everybody asks. So after last week and any time that we talk about men and leadership and headship, you know what the natural response is? I've never seen a man that way. I've never seen it inside of a home. Or if I have seen a man like that, they're few and far between. So the question always is the same. Where are all of these men? Anybody agree? Right? Like where, if this is the ideal and this is the design, why have I never seen it in my dad? Why have I never seen it in any other man that I've ever been around? What is that gap and what is missing? And how do we work through that? And so how do we answer this question? If the question is, where are all the men? We're going to try to address that today. We're going to try to address for you this, men. And I think that you need to, to, to really think about this because once you understand your hurdles, right, it'll give you the ability to overcome those hurdles better than just like, I don't know why I'm like this because my dad was like this. You ever hear that? Like, I'm this way because my dad was that way, and I'm this way because the only men that I'm ever around are this way. Well, that again, that can be an excuse, but at the end of the day, we need to say, all right, we need to be able to figure out the hurdles and start working on it ourselves. So women, why should you be listening? Anybody? Young ladies? who are going to be looking for a man someday, women that are married right now, women that are single. Like, why should you be listening? Why should you be taking notes? Here's why. You know this. I don't know if that you're going to actually admit it, but here's what you know. Women have a lot of power when it comes to the life of a man. Thank you. The whole first service, everybody's out there going, "Uh." I'm like... You know this, right? Women for sure know this. Like, they're never going to say, like, I I know how to do it, right? Like, they're not going to admit it. They know how to do it, right? They know how to work you to get you to do what they want you to do, right? They know how to get it done. As men, right, we need to understand what that looks like. But women, listen, take notes not so that you can go home and bash your man. Don't take notes. You can go home and say, I've got a list for you today. You know, and you sit down with him, you're like, you know who he was talking to? Like, he didn't look at you, but you know he was talking to you, right? I mean, in that because we think when we confront men with the things that they're doing wrong, that somehow they're like, I didn't even know. Like, I had no idea that that was my problem. That's really not true at all. You know what we need as men and even as young men? We need encouragement. We need somebody to say, you know what, this is a hurdle, and you're right, we're not where we need to be, but I'm going to encourage you to become what I see in you. Like women, you have that power in your sons, you have that power in, in other men, you have that power inside of your home. Like I see something in you that you don't see right now, and I'm going to do everything in my power to help take those layers off, right? So that's why inside of this, you need to be listening and thinking through. Now, when we get into the hurdles, this is what we're going to do. So if you have a Bible, go to Genesis 2. So we're going to be looking at Genesis 2, 15 through 25, then we're going to go to Genesis 3, and we're going to look at the fall, and we're going to identify hurdles. Now, in it, there is a lot of things that we can learn from Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. I have to keep it as specific as possible, so I'm going to give you two big hurdles that I think all of sin for men fall into that we can really work on and focus on, and maybe the other stuff can come out of it from there in Scripture, and then I'm going to give you some examples of what I think of how that operates inside of our world today, and then we're going to try to figure out how do we fix the problem. Good? Right, so let's go to Genesis um, 2, starting in verse 15. Here's what it says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, and again, this is what we talked about last week, design. What was he designed for? To work it and to take care of it. That's that whole idea of cultivate and protect. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So women, you remember when I was talking about like you have a lot of power in the man's life? So from the beginning, we already see this. From the design, right? From the beginning, God designed man, right? And he put him inside of the Garden of Eden. And he looked at him and like, well, that dude needs a helper, right? (laughs) Like, he's not good alone. Let's try something, right? Because him like this is not going to work out the way that it should. So here's what he did. So now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see uh, what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave the names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all of the wild animals. Okay, so God's answer to man's not good to be alone. Hey, let's give him some animals to hang out with. right. (laughs) So here's all of these animals. Hang out with all of these animals. See how he does with man's best friend, you know. And how does, how does he, again, fulfill his design? Well, you know what they found out? Animals were not helping Adam fulfill his design. Their animals are good. They have a purpose. They're all a part of it. But again, it's not helping. So this is what he says. But for Adam... No suitable helper was found. Here's what he says. So the Lord God calls the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then he closed up the place with flesh Then the Lord God had made a woman from the rib and he had taken out of the man that he'd taken out of the man and he brought it to brought it to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Why? So that they can become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is perfection, right? Perfection is God created a garden, and he said to Adam, you need to cultivate and keep the garden so that it can produce fruit. And not only can it produce fruit, now I'm going to give you a helper. And did you see what it said? Suitable it's really important. Suitable for Adam. God created women to be a suitable helper for a man, and that's why, you know, when women get all upset when you start talking about their role, because this is what's funny, is like, when you do the man's role, all the women are applauding. When you do the women's role, they're all sending in comments, right? Like, it's like, hey, be careful what you say, you know, because that's not, that's not what it is today, right? So, the idea is, do you get, this isn't some subordinate in, in any of that. It's like, man needed help. Guess who he said? Women, right? Like, you need, they need help. I need a woman to be able to offset. It's not this like, I'm better or she's better. It's when they operate out of design, they help each other. Does that make sense? Like when it works together. So a man suitable or a woman suitable for the man. Perfection. So inside of the garden, when men and women are working together and when the garden is being tended and they're in relationship with God, guess what? There's no fear. There's no anxiety. There's no anger. There's no shame. There's no greed. There's no lust. There's no, like all of the sins of the world today, it's not there. Why? Because we're operating out of perfection right? We're operating out of this idea that this was perfection and this is what God called it to be. Now, kind of a shift in the story, Genesis 3. So now we get to Genesis 3 and now all of a sudden this story takes a shift. Now I'm going to give you some of the stuff I'm going to talk about. Make sure you listen to this. Some of the stuff I'm going to talk about are things that I'm going to speculate. It's not in Scripture. This is a speculation. Like, I don't know this for sure, but I'm using it as this idea of what the whole of Scripture says and based upon the idea of what I do know that Scripture does say. So one of the things we don't really know is how much time between creation and perfection did the fall happen? Because it looks like 24 hours. Right, Like you're reading it, and you're like, dude, you had perfection, and within 24 hours, you jacked the whole thing up Right, when you're reading it. It just seems like it goes right like that. So here's the one thing that I want you to see. Time had elapsed. I can't tell you. People can guess. But time had elapsed where perfection was there. They were operating out of perfection to the fall. Now, here's my speculation. Okay? My speculation is when we read in Genesis 3 that Satan tempt Eve and she sinned, it wasn't the first time he was in the garden, right? This is a speculation. This is for sure not, it doesn't say that. The reason that I'm speculating it is, is because very seldom do you see people sin that will drastically change all their life that weren't tempted for weeks or months beforehand, right? Like, that's just usually the case. So, I, again, speculation, but I think if you look at the whole of the way that Satan has worked, Satan never asks you to commit a sin that's going to completely alter your life. He starts with little seeds, and little seeds, and little seeds, and little seeds, and little seeds, till you get to the point where you're like, oh, this decision that's going to alter the course of the whole world, wow, that makes sense, Has that not been you and me, right? Sins that we know, like you see this all the time, like affairs don't happen overnight. Anybody, right? Nobody just shows up one day and be like, dude, I'm gonna sleep with her. It doesn't happen. You know, what it starts with is, it starts with the man going in, it's like, my wife and she's not, and then this other woman going, I got you. I hear you, I feel you. I know. Anybody? Like little seeds of deception that finally will get to this point where a man will rationalize. Think about this. And it's not just a man, but we're talking to men today, right? A man will rationalize that it makes sense to break up his entire family for sex. Now, from the outside, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Like nobody's looking at it and saying, that's the best decision anybody could ever make, right? Like, Somehow, seeds have been planted that get you to the point where you're going to make that decision and not just like make this decision for the heck of it. You're making this decision like this is the right decision. This must be what, and I've even heard this this must be what God wants. You know why? Because my wife's not, and she, and this is finally the woman that can. Right, Like, that's the way that it works, and that's what he puts together, and that's what you're actually going to see. So you look at Genesis 3, and you read it from, again, speculation, right? You hear what I'm saying? Like, I'm speculating that seeds have been planted. And here's part of the reason that I would speculate this. Now the serpent, who was what? More crafty, right? So that just, like, gives us this picture that obviously he had a plan, and that he was crafty in the way that he approached the woman right? And it had to happen over time. That's what craftiness would tell us. And he says, than any of the wild animals uh, the Lord God had made. So being there, planting the seeds. And have you ever thought about this as just kind of a side note? Why would God ever let the serpent in the garden? You ever wonder that? Like you created perfection and you created all of these things. Why ever let that sucker in to begin with? Here's, you're going to learn something. Learn this real quick. From the beginning until this day. You can say what you believe, but you don't truly believe it until it's tested. Anybody, right? Like you can say you believe in God's faithfulness until it comes time where you have to have faith, right? You can say, I believe in God's provision. I believe in God's, and then all of a sudden a test comes, and you're like, dude, mm, uh, I don't know if I believe. And so you got to know this from the beginning. God is not asking for robots to love him. God is asking for people to make decisions to love him. The serpent being in the garden was a test. Whether you like it or not, it doesn't really matter whether you like that or not. It was a test, he had told Adam what to do, here's the test, how are you going to do? And you know what I'm betting, you know what I'm betting? That Adam, this is speculation again, that Adam passed the test quite a few times. Now I'm gonna say something and you're gonna be mad, but it's okay. Listen, I think he passed the test for a little while until his nagging wife wore him down. Huh? Speculation. That is true. Speculation. But there are some things in Proverbs that would talk about that drippy faucet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, off the subject. Maybe over time, like, hey, Adam, hey, Adam. And then he just finally, like, I'm tired of hearing it. Just whatever, eat from the tree. I can't hear it anymore, right? (laughs) Again, speculation. But the idea of all of it going into this, he was crafty. It was a test. Adam and Eve did not do very good with the test. In fact, here's what we're going to see next in verse uh, 1, the finishing of verse 1, when he says... When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was there with her and he ate it right so a couple things that we need to see in here at this point this decision reversed all of creation So when Adam and Eve chose to sin, all that God created and all that he wanted now got completely reversed, right? Now, the thing that I want you to see is, is that the action of eating the apple or sin entering the world is the thing that has marred your design, right? Like sometimes... One of the things I used to say uh, when I was a mechanic, and I, you know, not only when I was a mechanic, but when I led a service shop, you know what one of the most annoying things was? Is when people would try to fix their own cars, right? And so something was wrong and they would put on a bunch of parts because that's what they thought the problem was, and then they put it on there and it kept breaking all the time, and they just kept like, oh, try it again. I don't know, maybe it was a faulty part, and put on another part and it breaks and breaks and breaks. Anybody tracking with me? Like, you might've been one of those people or you might be one of those mechanics, right? So you bring it into the shop and the first thing you tell them is, you know what we're gonna have to do? We're gonna have to diagnose it. And it's a minimum of one hour of diagnosis. Like, oh my gosh, it's gonna cost me $70 to diagnose my vehicle. That's so much money and that's terrible. Why can't you just replace a part? I'm like, hey, idiot, you've been doing that for a long time. (laughs) And it ain't working. There's a problem that's causing this to keep going out. You know what we have to do? Probably shouldn't have said idiot. Um, There's a problem that we need to diagnose, right? There's a problem, there's a core problem that's causing all these things to happen. If you don't fix this problem, you're going to keep dealing with this. Does that make more sense, right? It's the same issue that you have in your life today. You see, too many times we want men to be better men and we try to fix the things that are on the outside. You know what the real problem is? They don't have a relationship with Jesus and they haven't dealt with sin. Like, they go to church. Don't get me wrong. These guys are guys that go to church. These guys are guys that, like, will show up. But These guys aren't guys that have a relationship with Jesus right? And you're out here saying, you should be a man of God, and you should do, and this is the way you should lead your family, and you should be the head, and you should. I'm like, dude, you know what really the problem is? You haven't settled something in your life. You got to fix sin, and the only way to fix sin is Jesus, and if you don't get that fixed, you're going to keep trying to replace the parts at the end, and it never works. Right, so understanding from the beginning that we got to deal with the real issue. So then he goes on and says in verse seven, then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked. So they uh, sewed fig leaves together and made the coverings for themselves. Then the man said, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man where are you. Now, don't gloss over this, guys. Listen to me for just a second. Who ate the apple first? That woman is the one who ate it, right? Come on, guys. It's okay. You can be like, she ate it. Why is God calling me? Right? Right? Why is he saying, and why didn't he come here and say, Eve, you little sucker, you ate from the tree and you weren't supposed to eat from the tree? You notice that he does not address the woman at all. He addresses the man, why? Okay, back to design, you know design, remember design? Headship, what was your job, men? Protect, cultivate, take care of. When you don't do your job, Okay, because this is the thing I want you to realize, you're getting away with it right now because you got a good woman in your life that's just making up for you. Right? Like, you just have somebody that's taking over your role, and they're pretty good at it, right? Women are really good at saying, you're not going to do it, I'll just do it, right? I mean, they are awesome at it, and you're like, well, dude, that was easy. (laughs) But here's what, here, listen to me, guys. Listen to me for a second. You can get away with it on this earth, but when you stand in front of Jesus, you are not getting away with it. You will be held accountable for your role. You can shirk your responsibility and your duties, and you can look at it and think, like, oh, everything's okay. Just so you know, it's not okay. But at the end of the day, even if you don't notice it on this earth, you will notice it when you stand in front of Jesus. Can't shirk that responsibility. That's why he called on the man. Your job, love, protect, take care of accountability that goes with that. Verse ten, he says, and he answered, "I heard uh, you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid." And he said, "Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I've commanded you not to eat from?" The man said, "The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it." Then the Lord God said to the woman, "What is it that you have done?" The woman said, "The serpent deceived me, and I ate." So the Lord God. Uh, said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire, uh, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles and you uh, you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. And until you return to the ground, since you were taken from dust and to dust, you will return. So here's what's happening. Sin marred it. Reverse creation, right, or reversed the the initial design and what God wanted to do, right? And now everything inside of that has changed, right? Now, here's the thing that you're going to need to see. So, guys, think about this. One of the things that inherently, because you were designed in that way, right? Inherently, you were designed, head, you know, do the things that God's called you to do. Desire to live out that design. When the curse came, you hear all the things that He said. This is the curse that's now on the world. Men, to this day, are doing everything possible to reverse the curse. Sometimes you're just focusing on the wrong things. Does that make sense? Like, you're trying to reverse the curse. You're trying to get it figured out where I, this is what's wrong, and so I want to fix it, so I want to make it right. You just don't know how to do it, right? So what we're going to look at is how can you recognize your hurdles And then how can you overcome those hurdles so that you can, to the best of your ability, reverse the curse? But let me uh, have you hear this first. You will never be completely the man that God created you to be until you stand in front of him someday. And the reason that I'm saying that, guys, if you're walking out of here and like, oh my gosh, I'm so terrible and I don't know what to do. I mean, join the club. We all got a lot of work to do right? And women that are being like, I can't believe, like, don't be so hard on your husband, or don't be so hard on your son. They're working at it, right? They're working at it. They're trying to go down that road. We got hurdles. You know what the two biggest hurdles, when we see this in scripture, and I think you'll see this in life in general. Selfish passivity, so people that are selfish, passivity, they have passivity in their life, and selfish aggression, those two things. Those are two things that we see in Scripture carried out as these buckets of sin or hurdles that men are gonna to have to get over if they wanna get back to the original design. Now, here's what we know about passivity, okay? I don't know one man that is truly passive, right? And here's the reason I wanna talk about this is because sometimes when we hear passive, we think the guy, oh, the guy that just sits around and doesn't do anything, I know very few men that sit around and do nothing. Here's the passivity we're talking about. You were created, designed for headship, right? So as a selfishly passive person, this is what you do. This is what's your design. But instead of doing the hard work it takes to live out your design, you're going to passively pursue things outside of your design that make you happy. Does that make sense? So you're called, love your wife, you're called to train your children, you're called to train other men, you're called to you create a spiritual environment. You're just like, dude, that's way too hard. It's way easier to go out and do these other things that I'm gonna pursue. These things make me happy, this is too difficult. Does that make sense, selfish passivity? And then we're gonna talk about selfish aggression. So let's see how it plays out in scripture. Back to the beginning. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Think about this. Now, again, speculation. So if, if Satan was in the garden and he was having conversations with Eve, this is what I know about, I think I know about most women. So if they were both off working the garden, they were doing their own thing, and then um, the woman was like, had Satan come up and say, hey, have you ever thought about, started planting seeds? Most of the time when it comes back to supper, right, and you're sitting around the supper table, the woman's going to be like, I got to tell you about a conversation that I had today, right, and in this conversation, you know, this animal talked to me, and when he's talking to me, like, this is what he said, and, you know, he started to, she's processing all of these deep thoughts, right, and the man's going to be like, oh, okay, and he's going to eat his food and leave. Anybody? right? You see, part of the selfish passivity, and again, this is speculation, Adam didn't want to do the hard work because here's what, he knew this, but I don't think that he understood this completely. Women, you'll understand this. When Satan comes to plant seeds, when Satan comes to attack you, you know where he's going to attack you? In your mind. You know what the responsibility of a man is? To care enough to have a deep enough conversation with you that's going to talk about what's going on in your mind. Instead of just being like, Did you pick the kids up today? And what's for supper? And I don't know, the house isn't clean. And uh, is this right or wrong? Am I hidden anywhere? Like men don't want to have deep conversations that involve feelings. So passively, we're going to punt and say, can you go talk to your sister? Your sister loves that. Can you go talk to your mom? Or they might not tell you, but you go do that anyway, because then you have two people that can relate with each other. Right, And you put that together. Selfish passivity because he chose not to engage into the deeper conversation. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was there with her and he ate it. Think about this. Why were they standing near that tree anyway? Out of all of the trees that are in that garden, as a man, if you found your wife gawking at the tree she's not supposed to be around... What should have he done? Like, I get it, honey, like that one's a good tree, but let me show you the rest of the trees that God to provided, right? Selfish, passive, passive guys would just be like, oh, she's looking at the tree again. Figure it out on your own, right? That's what they do. They don't care. They don't care that she's at a place where she could fall into temptation. We're like, well, she's been for herself, right? He should have been there and said, get away from the tree, dude, get away from the tree, I know the reasons you're neck to the tree. I know all the things that are going on in your mind, but it ain't helping stop looking at the tree, right? Selfishly passive men allow their women or women in general to stand in places where they're gonna fall into sin, right? And that's not where he's called for called us to be. Then he also goes on and says, because ultimately what Adam should have said is like, I know for the rest of our life, we're gonna struggle with this trust, but you know, God has provided us a whole garden. Do we really need the tree? Right? Like, why weren't they satisfied? Why wasn't Eve satisfied? Like, why couldn't we just be like, look around to what God's provided? You don't need that, right? You don't need those things. That's our job to be able to do that. Then he goes on and he says in verse 10. Um, he answered I heard you in the garden I was afraid because I was naked so I hid and he said who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree that I've commanded you not to eat from the man said the woman you put here with me she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it back to selfish passivity right think about what was his job right his job to love to protect you know to, to cultivate to flourish to do all of those things why is he hiding what's wrong with that baby Do you think about this? Like, be a man. Be a man, own your sin. Like, I've never understood this about guys. Like, what's wrong with just saying, yep, I did it. I admit it. I suck. You're right. I I mean, I get it. Like, what are you hiding from? Like, why why are you hiding from the accountability that you're not the head of your home? Why can't you just admit it? Why can't we admit that these are the struggles we're we're having and I'm going to admit it to you and you're going to help me become the thing that God created me to be? What's so wrong with admitting sin? Why as men do we have to run away and hide it, right? We've got to own it. You ever want to get anywhere in your life, guys, you might as well admit you're not where you need to be. If you're unwilling to admit where you need to be, you'll never go where God wants you to be, right? So we got to get to the place where hide it. And you know what you got to stop doing? And I don't know if this applies to anybody in here. Stop blaming other people for your problems. Do you see what he did? You know the first person he blamed? God, why'd you put a crazy woman here? It was so much better without her. (laughs) There wasn't all the nagging. There wasn't all the talking. I mean, I could just eat by myself. I didn't have to think about taking care of somebody else. What'd you put her here for? Right? First thing that he did, blamed God. Then what do you do? Well, if it's not good enough to blame God, who else did he blame? The woman, dude, own your own problems. Stop blaming. Stop blaming your dad. Stop blaming your dad. I get it. Maybe you didn't grow up with the greatest example. I, I don't know what to tell you. A lot of us didn't. True. I mean, a lot of us could say like, no, I didn't get the perfect example of what it's gonna be. That's not an excuse for you not to be the man. It's not an excuse for you not to be the head of your house. That's not an excuse, right? Own up to stop blaming people. Selfish passivity does those things. Now, here's the other thing that I want you to hear when he talks about his sin. Verse 17, to Adam he said, his sin was because he did what? What was his sin? Eating from the tree? You can go ahead and say it, guys. I know your wives are going to be like, so, what was the sin? Listen to his wife. Now, I know a lot of you are like, what the world? I can't talk. I don't have a voice. That's not what it's saying at all. For sure, women have a voice. For sure, women have value. It's shown that throughout all of scripture. But when it comes to A decision to be made where that decision is not going to allow the family to flourish, allow the family to be protected. What's the man got to do even though his wife disagrees with it? Make the decision because your job is for flourishing. Your job is for protection. Your job isn't to keep your wife happy all the time. Right, that's just gotta be the way it is, and so he sets that up from the beginning. Now, I'm gonna give you some examples, and again, I, I thought these examples were relevant. I don't know, the first service was out there like, mm. so I don't know. I'm gonna give you some things that I think, if you put it into our world today, make sense for men today. Here's the first one. Refusal to pursue a relationship with Jesus and or the refusal to cultivate Opportunities for relationship with Jesus for the people that you're held accountable for. Okay, now think about this. Excuse, well, I can't pursue Jesus because I really don't understand the Bible. Excuse, well, my wife's pretty good at leading Bible study at home with my kids, so what do I need to do anything for? Right, you're pushing the responsibility to somebody else. And again, does it mean any like, less value that women aren't good at it? No, women are really good at it. That's why men punt all the time, right? They're like, yeah, like, she's really good at it. What do I need to do, right? Like, she's just going to take it over. So we push it over to the spiritual responsibility to pursue a relationship with God. We just push it off. Like, we're not going to do it, We're not gonna set the spiritual climate, we're not gonna do it in the lives of our kids, and I'm for sure not gonna do it with my wife, right? Selfish passivity when it comes to that responsibility. (laughs) Here's another one, silence when words are needed, okay? Now listen, I think you're gonna see this, I don't know, maybe this isn't your family or maybe you never saw this, but but part of the problem is, is that as men, we get silent in our relationships, right? Like, we don't say the things that need to be said. You know what? Sometimes you need to encourage your sons, not always put them down. Anybody? Right? Like, you need to be the encourager. You need, you, the only time your voice ever comes up is to say, you suck, and you didn't do, and you didn't live up to, and you didn't. That's not what they need to hear, your silence is causing, or your words are causing damage, and so is your silence when your words need to be, you know what, good job. I'm proud of you. I love you, right? The same thing when it comes to your wife. You need to, you need to say, you know what, thank you for loving me. Thank you for doing. Thank, you're, you're the, you are the jewel of my crown. Like, you are the wife that's awesome, right? Like, we are silence, or, or as men, you know what you need to do sometimes? You need to call out sin. You need to look at your brothers that you're sitting across from and you just say, you know what? You're not living the way you need to be. Not from a condemnation standpoint to help them get to where they need to be. Silence in a room that allows guys to just do whatever they want to do is not helpful. That's selfish passivity. Does that make sense? Men, Silence, you know when I'm saying like hey, you know, you you need to always be encouraged your sons, but you also need to call it out. If it's a sin, it's a sin. It's okay. I'm not mad at you. Just know that this isn't the way to live. You're not going to flourish, right? Instead of just being like, your whole life's gonna go to hell and everything's gonna burn. No, you'll be like flourishing, right? Let me help you flourish. Let me take this step and let's help move up these steps. But I am going to call it out the way you're handling your money, the way you're handling women, the things that you're doing. It's not right. Let's call it out, but not call it out in a way that doesn't help, but call it out in a way to build them back up. Does that make sense? Selfish passivity in that way through silence. How about busyness, men? You keep yourself busy so you don't have to take care of the responsibilities that God's called you to. This is kind of how it went over in the first service, because I was like, this one's for sure me. You know what I mean? Like, I got stuff to do. I'm going to stay in the shop. I'm going to stay at work. I'm going to, anybody else? (laughs) Right? Like, I'm going to do all of these things, because I know when I get home, there's things to do that I really don't want to. So I'm just going to be, you know what, honey, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. That's selfish passivity, right? Keeping yourself busy on things that don't matter when the things that do matter are getting left behind. Okay, selfish passivity uh, inside of that. Uh, Apathy, right? When we become apathetic, we're not excited about the things that God's doing, and we're also not appalled about the things that Satan's doing. You're just apathetic, right? You have no view. Men, this is, again, this is gonna be a personal one that I kind of get excited about. So leaving difficult labor to someone it wasn't designed for, okay? If there's one thing that drives me nuts is when a man is sitting on his butt expecting a woman to be a slave. I mean, I want to blow a gasket, right? I'm like, get up, get up. Your mom's carrying a bucket. Why is your mom carrying a bucket? Carry the bucket, Get off your butt. Do the things that God's designed you to do. Don't sit back and have an expectation, right? Men don't have an expectation. Boys don't have an expectation that your mother's your slave, right? Don't sit back. When there's labor to be done, step up and do the things that God's called you to do. Now, here's the other one. Selfish aggression, okay? So this is where selfish passivity, we good with that. Now, selfish aggression, how does it fit in? This is where he talks about, he says, to the woman, he said, it will make your uh, pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor you will give birth to children your desire will be for your husband but what's going to happen he will what was it up there yeah he will rule over you right here's the problem do you remember in the beginning the design so if a man's operating in a design doing it the right way what is how does he handle women or how does he handle his wife sacrificial love right Like, that's what it says in the beginning. When sin entered the world, you know what got flipped? Selfish aggression. So sacrificial love in the original design, when sin entered the world, men now become domineering and aggressive in bad ways, right? They take the design, and because it's marred, they now will become more domineering and aggressive instead of sacrificial. And we know this in the world today, right? Here's what we know, and I think this is a staggering statistic, But listen to me. One in three women today live in a home where there is abuse. Think about that. One in three women are living in homes where there is abuse. Why? Because when creation got flipped, men got screwed up, and all of a sudden this domineering aggression becomes normal. And we don't see it as abnormal. Listen to me. You know what else is staggering? 40 3 percent of girls that go to college that engage in a relationship, they call them an intimate relationship, 43 percent of them say that they were abused. Forty-three percent. How is that possible? You know how it's possible? Because in our world today, we've accepted men and boys treating women like crap. I've said it all the time, listen to me. For me, if you want your butt whooped or you want me to like go off, speak disrespectfully to your mother if you're a boy. If you speak disrespectful to your mother, you ought to have your butt whooped. I don't care how old you are. If you speak disrespectfully to a woman, you ought to have your butt whooped. Listen to me. You know why this is happening in our college campuses today? Because, men, you've been okay with your boys treating women like crap. You just let it go. Not that big a deal. Kind of funny, right? It ain't funny. Men need to respect women in the way that they treat women. And it needs to be a high value for men because we were designed to protect women. It's our job, that's our role. Open the doors, do the things that you need to do. Stop doing, stop operating out of the flip, okay? So now, the worship team's gonna come back up, I'm gonna give you a couple other things uh, to think about. So not only is, you know, the, the, um, the flip happening in abuse, we'd also see it this way. So you remember when I talked about strip clubs and everybody kinda got, oh my gosh, you're talking about strip clubs? Think about this for a second, right? So if you talk about this idea of how it got flipped and how we have selfish aggression towards women because of the flip. Think about this. Who, if they respect a woman, would use her as an object for their pleasure? If you respect a woman. Nobody, right? Like, that's selfish aggression that you feel like you can use a woman for whatever reason that you want to use a woman for, right? Selfish aggression. The other thing is this, is withholding, Affection from somebody who fails you. This is selfish aggression, and I've seen this and I, listen. you know how many fathers I've seen do this to their sons, and I was probably, you know, one of these guys, so when, you're, when your kids fail you to stop talking to them, because you're mad. Yeah. Any other dads like this? Like you just like you're, you're pissed off, and you're like, "I ain't saying nothing, right? <laughs> You know, you withhold it, right? That's selfish aggression. Or the same thing, if you talk to a wife with a husband where things aren't going really good in the way that it's supposed to go, and I've heard women say this before, he's walked around for three days and hasn't said one word, right? Selfish aggression, like you didn't give me what you want, you made me mad, so I'm just gonna walk around in silence all the time, right? Those things are selfish aggression. Now, here's the thing that I was talking about from the beginning, so in the beginning, I was saying like, how do we fix this problem? So we know that there is um, selfish passivity, like we know that, and we know that there's selfish aggression, and we know that these are hurdles that we as men gotta try to figure out, right? Right. These are hurdles, like you're gonna, you're gonna fight this battle to the day you meet Jesus. These are always going to be your battles. You're always going to struggle against selfish passivity, punting on the things that matter while you do the things that make you happy. You're always going to sh- struggle with this idea of selfish aggression and the way that that you live out the things that God's called you to like. You're going to struggle with that. Hurdles that you're going to have. But here's the thing I want you to see. We've got to, we've got to strip it all the way down. Do you remember when he said your curse for a man is going to be that you're going to toil into the ground all of your life? Like you're going to have to work to produce food. Like that's going to be... So here's what you gotta know, for every man in this room, from now until the rest of their life is trying to reverse the curse, they're trying. But you know what culture has told them? Do you know a way to reverse the curse? Make yourself happy. That's how you reverse the curse. If you just get enough money, if you just get a new wife, if you could just trade in your kids, if you could just do, you know what I mean, like whatever those things are. Now think about this, right? Because if you get these things, it's going to reverse all of this toil and this pain and these problems and nothing ever going right. If I could just have this, everything's going to be the way it needs to be. And so many men today are chasing that dream. Just get enough money. Just get enough security. Just get enough. Just get the right wife. Get the right kids. Get the right relationships. I'm going to get in the right place. And I'm finally going to be saved from the curse of the toil and pain of this earth and you will toil for the rest of your life and never be saved. Do you know where you need to go? Jesus. You need to fix the first problem. You need to be in a relationship with Jesus, and you need to be pursuing him with all of your heart, and when you do these things, the curse will get reversed. That's just the way that it works, right? Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we love you, and we're so thankful that we could be together today, Lord, and that we could understand design, but also hurdles. Lord, we pray that you give us the courage to overcome those things, the courage to be able to live out the calling that you have on each one of our lives. Heavenly Father, allow us to see where we need to change, and let us have the courage to make those changes. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: cross, you willingly died, your innocent life paid the cost, and counting your status as nothing, the king of all kings came to serve, washing my feet and covering me. If more of you means less of me, take it.
0: So every time we end a message like this, I think it's good to be reminded we are children of God, right? And that for each one of us and all of our failures and shortcomings, we know this, that he still sees us as his sons and daughters. And that's what we're striving to be living out the calling that God has for us as men and knowing that if we live that out, the people around us will flourish. So again, we're excited to come back next week as we talk about the redemption of mankind and how God can redeem us and be able to see us flourishing and be able to celebrate in those things together. So thanks for being at our main campus. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.